Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to Shifting Paradigms. I am your host, Jess Ananda. And what a time to be alive. We are truly in some powerful, transformative, intense times for our entire world as we are witnessing, experiencing the death of the old. As we're currently in a world pandemic, global pandemic, we have been in quarantine for like two plus months. So much has been happening since 2020 started. We have been just going with so many changes. Such a powerful time for us to be incarnated on earth. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to experience the great awakening of our collective unconscious, becoming conscious again. So powerful to be here as the darkness is coming into the light. All the lies and deceit coming into the light. All the people that once called this a conspiracy theory are now diving deeper into this. And realizing that the elites have been using mass mind control and doing really, really bad things to innocent people, all for power and control. And right now, you know, they've been flexing their power to see how the masses react as a little test drive for the bigger and badder things that are to come. But at the same time, the beautiful thing is that for the souls that are God seeds, that are earth angels, guardians of the galaxies incarnated here to raise the frequencies on Mother Earth and be way showers and seed the new earth DNA. We know what this is all about. And we know this is actually a beautiful time and there's nothing to fear because God is here within and without. So I'm really grateful that I'm birthing this sacred container, this sacred space that are only a space of high frequencies, pure light, and transmissions coming directly from our God source, Mother, Father, God, Creatrix. And I am only the vessel and a voice to share and transmit this eternal truth that is our truth 
And that is what this podcast is all about. Shifting paradigms, transformation, revealing the truth. Speaking nothing but the absolute truth. No filter. And everything that I share is directly from my own experience and what I've transcended, what what I've overcome, what I have realized, and the deep remembrance that has been reawakened by love of God. So thank you all for joining me. And before we get started with all the amazing, powerful, transformative episodes that I will be recording for you all, I want to share with you guys a bit of my background, my history, or shall I say her story of where I come from, what I've been through, and how I've gotten to this place that I am now. In a place of inner freedom, firmly in my truth, firmly in knowingness, and where I am in my spiritual evolution. Let's take it back to the year 1988, the year that I was born, the year of the dragon. It all started when my mother met my father and they were in Mexico. They got together and then I was conceived. And my parents crossed the border into the United States. And also by that side of the family, like his brothers and sisters crossed the border into California and from California they went to Michigan as they had a job over there they were going to be working in some flower fields so my mother she worked throughout her entire pregnancy she didn't have any prenatal care she was going through a lot a lot of shifts as you know she went from Mexico to the United States She went from being this innocent teenager into an early adult life, and now she's pregnant and is married and is in another country with another language with a man who is not who she thought she was with because he's not who he presented himself to be. She was deceived. There was a lot of suffering while I was in the womb, while my body was molding. My mom, she went through a lot. You know, she experienced a lot of mental, emotional, and physical pain and suffering and abuse from my father. Everything starts in the womb. Because this is where our bodies are preparing for our spirit to incarnate within. 
and in this luminous vehicle of light is how we experience this life. So everything that was happening in the environment where my mother was living in, this is the environment, the tension, the chaos, the madness that I was formed within. Just before she was going to give birth to me, they moved back to California. I was born on November 24th, 1988 at 4.20 a.m. on Thanksgiving. The doctors thought that I was premature. To them, I was supposed to be born on Christmas Eve, but my mother knew that I was right on time because she had done the math. The first five years of my life, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence and drugs, perversion, poverty. This was the environment that I was raised in the first five years of my life. At the age of four, I have memories of standing between my mother and father as he would try to beat her to death and I wanted to protect her. And at the same time, those four-year-old eyes still saw my father as a hero. Even if I would see him drunk, abusive, and I had to defend my mother and protect her from him. But I still saw him as my hero, and I still preferred to be with my father because he would let me get away with everything. And he would yell at my mom if she didn't listen to me. So to me, that was my hero. I didn't know. My mother had her second child when I was five years old, my first sister. And when my sister was three months old, my mom could no longer take the abuse, the violence, and the fear that she was experiencing living with my father. So she took my uncle, her older brother's advice, and she ran away to Los Angeles because she was really afraid of my father. And she had to lie to me that we we're going to go to the flea market because since I was a daddy's girl at that time, there was no way that I would have wanted to go with my mom. She didn't want me to grow up in that environment and without a mother, so of course she was going to do what she could to take me with her. So six hours into the long car ride, I'm asking her how far is this flea market? And then she confessed to me that actually we were never coming back and that we were on our way to my uncle's house in Los Angeles. I cried. I felt really betrayed. I was really sad and heartbroken. But at the same time, I'm really grateful it happened. Because I can't imagine, you know, if we would have stayed, what could have happened. So for those three years, from ages five to eight, I went through ten different schools. We went through different battered women's shelters. And my mom, this is where my mom began to receive help 
from the government assistance. And at this time, my mother didn't speak English. And I had a hard time, obviously, like, with school because I was always a new kid. I was super shy. I didn't speak English very well. And I had a hard time with my homework because my mom couldn't really help me. So I just always felt dumb. I felt like I didn't fit into my body either because at the age of seven, when my mom asked me, well, boy, I liked at school. I was about to tell her that I liked this girl named Linda. But immediately, when I was about to tell her the girl's name, I had to be quiet because I realized that I was in a girl body and in society that wasn't normal. That's when I realized that I had to keep this a secret. So I lived in my inner worlds. I was always in my imagination and I would always travel in different realms different dimensions and this is how I would escape it was my happy place just be in my imagination and just play different characters and imagine finding my princess finding my love and just going on you know romantic adventures and discovering hidden treasures and just magical things I had a wild imagination, very creative as a child. My mom always said that I had to learn to be my best friend and how to have fun by myself because I couldn't depend on others. And I learned this at a young age because since I moved so much, if I made a friend at school, I was already ready to move on. So I didn't want to like hold attachments to people. So I had to learn how to have fun on my own and how to be my best friend. So that was a that was a big plus. I'm glad that I learned that at a young age. At eight years old, this is when my mother got in contact with my father. And after going through different bedroom and shelters, different government programs, Everything that we were going through. And the whole time I just, you know, my mom knew I was sad because I just wanted to have a normal family. I wanted it to be like all the kids having their mom and their dad and their siblings and living in a nice house and just being happy. And I couldn't understand, like, why it was so difficult for my parents to just get along and be like whatever a normal family looked like. So because I had the strong desire and my mom knew that deep down, like, I just wanted her to be with my dad, she felt guilty and eventually she gave herself away and he found out where we were and then we ended up actually going back to the Bay Area right before I turned nine years old. And at nine years old is actually when I woke up and I realized the type of father that I had, the hero image that I thought disappeared immediately when I realized his rage, his violence, his lies, his deceit, and his threats. I then began to grow a lot of hate for him, especially because he was doing the same thing. He was coming home drunk chasing my mother, being so angry. The moment he would step in the house, it was like literally like the demon just walked in and all of a sudden, like you can't even breathe because 
everything he does is he's just yelling. And he had these evil eyes that he would just look at us. And, um, you know, my, my father, he was just so deep in poverty mentality that, you know, he never gave him my money or anything. Everything was a problem. Anything, anytime you asked, even for a dollar, like, it was a problem. It was an issue. It was a fight. So, of course, my mom never received help from my father financially. She had to work and find other ways, of course, you know, that from the government to, to get help, to get some kind of guidance with that because he wasn't there for her and she was too nice right that she felt bad and she didn't want to put him in child support so I eventually started to resent my mother for being too nice to my father and especially because I called the cops on my dad so many times when he'd come home drunk and they'd be fighting and you know, he would try to hit her and everything, and I would defend my mother. There was times where I had to grab a broom and beat him with it and call the cops, and then he would fall asleep because the cops would take so long to get there. They'd probably get there like three, four hours later, and he was already knocked out drunk. And by that time, my mom would feel bad for him because he was already knocked out. So then she would just tell the cops, never mind. And I was, I would be really upset because... Obviously, like, I called the cops to protect her and so they could take him. And, you know, she's just lying to them that she doesn't, you know, there's nothing wrong. So I began to develop this anger and resentment towards her. But I didn't know at the time. I wasn't aware. A lot of things were happening in my life. I mean, I, I lived a lot of things that were going on that were very, very traumatizing for a kid. I was really shy. Um, I had all these things, my sexuality, being the new kid, um, you know, just the dynamics at home, the violence, everything going on. And on top of that, like, my mom, she didn't want me to go to a school where I would get into gangs. So in middle school, she made sure that I went to a school that was like more middle class and was predominantly Caucasian. And I hated it there because all the kids were mean. I felt dumb. They made fun of brown people. They made fun of Mexicans. Like they were make they would make fun of me. They were really mean to me. So I just was really quiet. I was like that quiet kid that like I would just hope that no one could see me because I just I didn't even want to talk. I couldn't even sneeze in class. It was so hard for me to make noise. I just wanted to be invisible. And I had so many questions. I just I felt like a prisoner and then going home the dynamics at home the violence oh it was just so toxic and at the age of 15 this is where it all really just hit me it was too much going on I had already lived a lot of trauma and from 15 years old I began to experiment with drugs during summer school and on Halloween of 2004, my mom found out that I was super high, and she told me that she was disappointed in me, and that was it. That was a breaking point. That was the tip of the iceberg, because at this point in my life, I was really fragile, and I was going through a deep depression, but I didn't even know I was depressed, and with, you know, doing drugs and that, it only made it worse for me. And then to hear my mother tell me that I was 
a disappointment when my whole life I just wanted to make her proud. It was, that was it. And I just felt so unworthy and like I didn't have the will to live anymore. And uh, on November 1st, I ran away from home and my plan was to overdose on heroin and end my life. I didn't care if I died a coward. I just was done. But God had other plans for me. I ended up running away to San Francisco and some hippies offered me that I could go with them and they would give me a bunch of drugs and I would just be able to travel with them and do trades and this was it. And because I didn't care about myself anymore, I said yes. And that night, instead of overdosing on heroin, I overdosed on so many mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms and DMT that I ended up having an out-of-body experience through a death, actually a death experience. I was initiated into my healer's journey, the shaman's path. I didn't know at the time, but that was the great crisis, the rude awakening of my soul. That was when I was going to enter the darkest night of my soul that lasted years, 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 years. So I was gone for 16 days. And how those 16 days started was through that overdose where I had a seizure. And I left my body, my consciousness left my body. And I was in different dimensions. And on one of them, these fairies showed me my death in a parallel life. And there I was. I saw myself that night with the plan that I had with the heroin overdose. And I saw myself dead on the streets of San Francisco with a needle next to my arm. And cops, they had found my ID in my backpack. And they called my mother. And they told my mother that they found my body. And I saw my mother's reaction. She was suffering, crying hysterically. And then I saw my entire family and the pain that I inflicted upon them through the choice of taking my life. And I was... I was devastated. I couldn't even handle it, but I was crying so much that the fairies took me out of that realm and I went into another realm. And this was like a beautiful garden and I was sitting on a rose petal and I was crying to them, asking them, why, why have I suffered my whole life? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Why have I only suffered? Am I not worthy to be just happy? What does that even mean? I just want to know why I'm here. Why can't I just leave? All these questions I had, I just wanted to know the purpose of my existence because I was miserable. What happened is that the fairies told me everything. But when I came back into my body, when my consciousness returned to this body, I no longer remembered a word the fairies told me. But deep down inside, I knew the answer, but I just, my human mind couldn't remember. But I knew that within me, I knew it. I knew the answers to all my questions. So this is how I was initiated into my path. That was day one of my 16 days as a runaway in Oregon. And all the drugs that I did, every single day I would eat mushrooms like food. And obviously weed was like my water. I was uh, smoking methamphetamines out of light bulbs. 
I tried and did a lot of coke, tried crack, I tried other uh, uh, pills that I was introduced to, all in those 16 days, I just was high on so many things, and the worst was that my mental and emotional state were just shot, they were at the worst they've ever been. I was found 16 days later by cops. They got me as a runaway, and I ended up going to Juvenile Hall in Oregon, in Portland. And they called my mother, and then my mother drove to Portland to go pick me up from jail. After that, my life was completely shifted. Everything changed. Because I had tapped into the depths of the darkness of my soul and put so many substances in my body that took my mind into places that beforehand I hadn't gone to in this lifetime. I saw the madness of this matrix. I tapped into so much that I couldn't go back into that normal kid that I assumed and pretended to be. I couldn't. That child was dead. No more. So I got deeper into drugs, deeper into depression, deeper into being in the streets deeper into not caring about myself. I got diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder, psychosis, multiple psychosis, um, insomnia, severe anxiety, clinical depression. They labeled me with so many things and they had me on so many drugs. I was overly medicated for 12 years. And I went through a lot those years, those 12 years that I was going, you know, in and out of mental hospitals. I was going into rehab, inpatient, outpatient programs, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I was on the streets, running away, getting in trouble with the cops, doing crimes, hanging out with gang members, just... Wow, I put myself in so many dangerous situations. I'm grateful that I didn't crash and kill myself. The times I did crash, drinking and driving, and all the nights that I put myself and others in danger. I'm grateful that I'm here today and I didn't kill anyone along the way. But uh, in 2014, I went through another shift where I was now actually um, starting my first personal training business because when I turned 18 I became addicted to the gym I stopped doing drugs and then I got hooked on the gym and obsessed with my body I was obsessed with porn and sex and I was a womanizer going to the clubs a lot and uh, really superficial um, I didn't want to dive deep into myself anymore because I just wanted to fit in and I wanted people to just, like, stop calling me Crazy Jess. That I just wanted people to see me as, like, unfuckable, right? I wanted to be this hardcore person where no one thought that they could even mess with me. I always was super defensive. And I just wanted to be seen as, like, strong, you know? So I became obsessed with my body and growing muscles and just playing in a, a role. You know, playing this role, this character um, that was a badass and had no feelings. 
But of course, that wasn't me, you know? That wasn't true me. But in 2014, um, I stepped into something else, you know? I, I began to want to do good for others, and I was also in a relationship already that was two years in, and it was really toxic. And in 2015, I realized that I was really unhappy, and I was really sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the relationship that I was in was making me so miserable because my ex, she was in the closet and her family didn't even know I existed. And we were already together for three years and I was a secret. And it made me feel so ashamed of like being in a same sex relationship. And I became, I became more insecure, insecurities that I didn't even have before I began to have. And I really just, uh, I felt really like I lost myself even more. So in December of 2015, I had a major shift. And at this time, I really just wanted to love myself. I wanted to know who I was. And I realized that I was in a very toxic relationship. And I started to want to better myself. So I read this book called Love is Letting Go of Fear. And when I read that book, I knew I had to break up because the relationship that I was in was toxic and I was doing an injustice to myself and for the first time I actually didn't want to like be with anyone I just wanted to have a relationship with myself and to nourish myself and accept myself so we broke up and then we cut it off completely and I then became obsessed with my personal development and my self-love so for seven months from December of 2015 to July of 2016, I devoted myself, focused on growing my personal training business, making content on YouTube to inspire and help people, reading books that were designed to help me be a better person, watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts that would allow me to shift my mind from being a complete pessimist to becoming optimistic. I began to create morning routines that would allow me to develop an attitude of gratitude. I shifted everything. I stopped hanging out with toxic people that would just invite me to go out, party, and drink, and hang out at bars. I just began to focus on bettering myself. And this made me free myself. This is what got me to free myself. In July of 2016, my psychiatrist told me that I looked great and that maybe I should consider dropping the dose on my medication because it was super high. And this is when I got the courage. At first, I got a little scared, but then I said, no, doc, what if I get off the medication? And if I feel like I'm losing it, trust me, I will contact you because I don't want to lose myself again. You know, it's... It's taken me so long to get to where I am that I don't want to jeopardize that. So in one month, we worked every week on dropping down a dose until August of 2016. I was free. Finally, after 12 years of being heavily medicated, I was free. After 12 years of having to always go get my blood drawn, getting experimented on, having to go see my therapist and my psychiatrist, and just being in this system, right? This mental 
health system that was really not helping me. And I was finally going to be free. No more of having to be a slave to these pills that I had to take every single day and take with me everywhere. <sighs> it was so liberating. And that shifted everything for me. It shifted everything and I knew it. Because just a few months after that, I began to feel like everything was making sense. Things were unraveling within me. And I knew that those drugs that they were making was a way for them to trap me at a level where I couldn't fully expand into my potential, my infinite potential. So what happened was that after that, I mean, so much more beautiful stuff happened. Like I started to pay it forward and I started... In the month of August, I started a volunteer program at a mental health clinic for youth called the Mind Body Movement. And then after that, I made a YouTube video in November where I began to share something that I've kept in the dark, which was my suicide and a little bit about my story. So all of this made me like really put the dots together. And in 2017, I experienced my great awakening. And I'm going to share this with you guys on another podcast because this is, this is another powerful story of transformation from my 3D self, right? Just being caught in, still in this illusion and how I deprogram, how I unplugged from the matrix, how I left everything, how I faced all my fears, all the false evidence appearing real and I dove deep into the depths of my being. And I exposed myself to my shadows and all my fears and I left everything. So I will share with you guys this story on, on another episode. But I'm going to end it here, okay? And I just want to say that we have the ability to transform every second, every breath. Because it takes that one thought, that one desire, that one intention to want to be better. Because when we realize that the only thing we have control over is our attitude, it's everything. Because we can either look at the cup being half empty or the cup being half full. It's all about perception. And when we develop and cultivate an attitude of gratitude, now we're coming from a place of love. From a place of fullness and wholeness and completion where we don't feel like we're lacking but we're overflowing of gratitude because we're able to see the beauty and the gifts and everything and what once seemed challenging and miserable now is an opportunity of growth right developing and having a growth mindset that's beauty, and that is what helped me. That is what really has allowed me to always be transforming, to always be shifting, is that growth mindset. And I'm really grateful that I had to experience all of this discomfort from the very beginning of my conception, from the moment of entering my mother's womb. I was always being put under very dense situations, very challenging situations, and always having to move, always having to adapt.
But the fact that I was always adapting and my environment was always changing and I was put under a lot of stressors, it has only made me stronger. Just like in the gym, physically. If you want to become stronger, you you add more resistance, right? You add more weight. You switch it up. You change it up on yourself. You stay consistent and then you bump it up and you change. And this is the same thing with ourselves. When we develop ourselves mind, body, and soul. So powerful. So I want to invite you guys to welcome change. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Because right now, this is where we are. You have no choice but to embrace change because things are changing. And we're shifting paradigms and the old is falling apart and we have to see the beauty in it because obviously the old has not been working for us it's been a prison so this is a beautiful time that we can break free and god has given us all the tools and it's all within our sacred heart as our heart is always the compass that guides us back to the absolute truth. I want to thank you all. If you have tuned in this far into the podcast to hear my story. And I look forward to all the powerful transformative transmissions that I will be sharing via this container. So thank you all so much. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss all of the powerful content that I am creating and shifting and putting into the sacred space for us to evolve. So subscribe and join the tribe. I love you all and I'm sending you my unconditional love, light, bliss, and wholeness. Hariom Tatsat.